Our preacher tonight, since I hadn't got a voice, uh, <clears throat> is uh, Brother Jeremy Smith. And he'll be preaching in a couple of weeks at a very important preaching appointment. So I wanted him to get warmed up. Amen. They might be listening tonight. Don't, don't take that for granted. But uh, we might, if it's real good, we'll get them to listen. But anyway, um, he's going to preach on roller coaster Christianity tonight, aren't you? Amen. Okay. All right, good. Come on up and preach. Amen. Whatever God's <laughs> laid on your heart. He's bragging about all those roller coasters yesterday. So I figured, many I'll just apply it. Praise God. We're up, down, up, down. Amen. Praise God. Preach what you want, brother. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to preach. I always enjoy preaching here at Whitfield Baptist Church. If you notice, my voice is not as strong. I'm going to do my best to finish a message. Brother Wayne's talking about he doesn't have the voice to preach. I don't have a voice, period. Because I did go to Six Flags. And I tried to be like a teenager. One of the, one of the kids, I heard a rumor that he actually said I was cool, which is just uh, strange for a 44-year-old to hear nowadays, you know what I mean? 44 years old, and I decided... I was going to ride every ride those kids wanted to ride. I was not afraid. We get to Six Flags early, a little bit early. It wasn't open yet, and they allowed us to stand inside the park at a certain area, and everybody was crowding around it, and I asked the teenagers, I said, what ride are we riding first? They said, we want to ride Goliath, which was a good distance away. And guess who had the bright idea to get there first by running the entire distance to it? <laughs> teenagers didn't have a problem with it, and um, I realized it was a dumb idea pretty quickly, but I couldn't back down after all. I'm the one that came up with the idea. So I ended up running all the way to Goliath, which was absolutely unnecessary to do because we got off that roller coaster and immediately got back on. There was no reason to run. <laughs> but I found myself running many, many times while we were there just so we could get on a roller coaster again. I rode the roller coasters 15 times, and I was on the low side of my group. Some of them rode it as many as 20 times that day. And... I thought I was pretty lucky to get to ride roller coasters like that. I scream every single time I go down one, and the teenagers can testify to that. And I would tell the teenagers every time before I got on, I don't need to be screaming because I'm supposed to preach next summit tomorrow. I'm supposed to lead the music tomorrow. And I still screamed every single time. So I'm going to do my best not to scream tonight. I'm going to do my best to conserve my voice. And um, I hope this message will be a blessing to you. If you will pray for me, I will greatly, greatly appreciate it. The title of my message tonight is Sheep and the Good Shepherd. Sheep and the Good Shepherd. We're going to be in two passages of our Bible today. If you want to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter number 15, verse number 4. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 4. The Bible says... What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Isaiah 53, 6, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When we look at the book of Luke, chapter number 15, as we see Jesus right here, 
we see Jesus and He's speaking to the Israelites, to the Jews of His day, and He's dealing with the fact that the religious leaders of His day, the Pharisees, had very little regard and saw very little value in the sinners that were around Him. After all, the Pharisees would say to Jesus, Why are you someone who eats with sinners and publicans? Who are you to be around such people? They had little regard for the sinners around them. However, Jesus began to speak of sinners as something of great value. He compared them to a lost coin. He compared them to a lost son. And He also compared them to lost sheep. And tonight, I would like to take some time and look at the nature of the sheep and also to look at the nature of the shepherd. And I want to um, really emphasize the nature of the shepherd because we notice that Jesus would refer to him as himself as the good shepherd. And before we begin, if you would, let's all bow our heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His blessings upon the message tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the time that we have to just um, study Your Word. Dear Lord, I pray that You will speak to hearts. Let something that is preached tonight... Help us in our understanding of the Scripture and also help us in our daily walk for You. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. As I preach a message here at Whitfield Baptist Church, I really look at this place as my home church. Many times um, growing um, up and as a young preacher, I would always refer to my home church as Canaan Baptist Church. But I've realized it's been so long since I've been at Canaan Baptist Church. And um, I'll be honest with you, Brother Wayne is very soon going to be the man who has been pastor over my life longer than anyone else. And um, and that included the man who um, I was saved under his ministry, the man who baptized me, the man who ordained me. I do appreciate this church. And I truly do feel at home. So much so that I'm not just going to give you a message I've preached over and over again. I'm going to preach a new one here. And it's always good to use you all as a sounding board. If it just doesn't go very well, you know what I do? I take the sermon and I just put it away. It don't show back up. But if it's a good one, this one may show up at another church. Maybe in two weeks or so. We don't know. So um, I hope that you'll pay attention to this. I think this will be a blessing to your heart. This has really spoken to me about the sheep and the shepherd. I've, uh, I've been burdened about this issue. When I began to look into sheep, I began to study the nature of the sheep, and that's our first point, the nature of the sheep. I noticed this. Sheep are referred to over 500 times in the Bible. Now that's a lot. Sheep are referred to over 500 times in the Bible. And very interestingly, by our study of the Bible, we realize that sheep are the very first domesticated animal in the Bible. Sheep are the very first domesticated animal in the Bible. After all, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter number 4, verse 2, that Adam's second son, a man by the name of Abel, was a shepherd. It says in Genesis 4.2, And she, Eve, bare his, um, again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. So we find a very, very high place that sheep are made in the Bible. After all, Jesus Himself would be referred to as the Lamb of God. There is a significant place and a very significant position in this world that sheep have been placed into. The first thing I see about the nature of sheep is this, if you're taking notes. I see their affectionate nature. The affectionate nature of sheep. I noticed in the book of 2 Samuel, as we study the story of David and 
in his rule over Israel. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 12, a prophet comes to David with a story. You know the story. He begins to tell him the story of a man who had many sheep and another man who just had one sheep and the wickedness that was done according to that. But as I was looking into the story of the sheep that that one man had, I noticed that Nathan, the prophet, said this about the one sheep that the man had. He said this, verse 3, But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children, and did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter." You see, there's an affectionate nature in sheep. After all, this man, he had one little sheep, and the Bible said he ate of his own meat. Did you notice even the statement, he drank of his own cup? Whatever the man drank, the sheep drank. Now, we don't keep sheep too many of us as pets today. We would call this a pet that this man had. I have a pet, and I notice how my wife takes care of her pet. In fact, I'm not allowed really to call it a pet. I I know that. I'm not allowed to call it a dog either. I know that. It is a baby. It is not a pet. It is a family member. And as I was studying the Bible, I realized something. As I would shake my head at my wife for that, she is not new. It is not a novel idea to her. But this is something that goes all the way back to biblical times. This man had a sheep. And as it came up, it was very tender to him. He began to feel love from this sheep. He saw the dependency of the sheep upon him, and what did he do? He let the sheep eat of his own meat. He let the sheep drink of his own cup, and there is no way on earth I would let a dog drink out of my own cup. (laughs) However, I do have to say sometimes I will be sitting in the house, and I will have a bottle of cold water, and I'll see my dog go over to his dog bowl, and there will be no water in his dog bowl, and I'll have compassion on him, and I'll take the own bottle that I'm drinking out of, and I'll pour water in there for him to drink. So I have compassion like that for the animals in my house. The man had compassion for the lamb. Not only that, the Bible said that this lamb lay in his bosom. How many of y'all have taken a little puppy dog that you owned or or a little animal that you owned and put it up into your bosom, held it close to you? You could feel the little animal breathing on your cheek. You know, very interestingly, this idea of lying in his bosom, Jesus would use... John actually would use that exact same phrase speaking of his close relationship with Jesus Christ. He was called the disciple who lay in his bosom. Even in paradise, what do we find with Lazarus? That he had gone to where? Abraham's bosom. We see the intimacy that is shared between this man and his lamb. The Bible says that he even treated this lamb like his own daughter. You see, there's an affectionate nature that goes with sheep. Why do we love the animals that are in our life when it comes to, say, a dog or a cat? The reason why is that animal needs someone to take care of them. My wife calls it a baby because that animal, that cocoa, relies 100% on us. If we were to turn the animal away, we are going to turn cocoa away and take him out into the wild and leave him there, He wouldn't be able to make it. He relies 100% upon us. And the lamb, the sheep, and it's this affectionate nature, relies 100% on the person 
who owns him. I see an affectionate nature among sheep. But if you're also taking notes, let me give you another point. I see a meek and submissive nature. A meek and submissive nature. We read Isaiah 53.6, but Isaiah 53.7 says this, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah 53.7, speaking of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, comparing Him to a sheep who is brought before the shears, as a lamb being brought before the slaughter. He doesn't open His mouth. We see a meek and submissive nature. When I think of this nature, I am brought back to that old movie that Bob Jones University had uh, made so many years ago, the movie Sheffy. How many of you all have seen the movie Sheffy at least once in your life? Brother, Brother Jim Cudd was talking about Billy Kelly. Uh, this morning. Bill Kelly played the moonshiner, if you didn't know that, in the movie Sheffy. And um, I'm moved by the story of Sheffy. I have the, the book that the movie was based on, Saint of the Wilderness, in my library. And every time I see that movie, I, I end up crying at the end of the movie. I'm just, I'm just weeping at the end of the movie because of the powerful story. Some of you know the story of Sheffy. And as Sheffy would pray, and he was known in, in northern Virginia as a man of prayer, every time he would pray he would set out a lambskin and he would kneel upon the lambskin. And the story goes back to an aunt that he had, um, he had lived with and had taken care of him. And when she died, she had left for him a lambskin. And the interesting thing in the note that she had left her son, I mean her nephew, it said this to Robert Sheffy. It said, Robert, when you pray, will you pray upon the lamb? Because the lamb has been honored above all animals by the Lord calling it, I'm mean, comparing Himself to it. It is honored because of its meek and submissive nature. So when you pray, I ask you to pray upon the lambskin. When you kneel, I ask you to kneel upon the lambskin. And we see with the sheep, we see a meek and submissive nature. I'm thankful for the nature of the sheep. We see that it has an, affect an affectionate nature. We see that it has a meek and submissive nature. I've spoken briefly on this, but let me give you the next point. It also has a relatively defenseless nature. A relatively defenseless nature. The book of Micah, chapter number 5, verse 8, says this, And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people as a lion among the beasts of the forest. Now listen to this. As a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he goeth through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Do you see what it compares the nation of Israel to as a lion going through the sheep? You see, the sheep do not have many natural defenses, especially if it's not a ram. After all, a ram may have horns which it can butt with. But if it's a, if it's a female sheep, or if it's a lamb, there's no defense to it. It needs protection. It cannot make it on its own. And we see that in the world today. On their own, the people of this world cannot make it. They try to succeed in life, but they always fail. They are defenseless from the wiles of Satan. They are defenseless from the rudiments of this world. Many times we talk about the cruelness of this world. And we, some people even wonder if there's even a God when they see the horrible things that go on in this world. This world is a terrible place. This world system is a horrible system. And people on their own cannot stand 
and cannot survive. They need a shepherd. They need a protection. We see that sheep have an affectionate nature. We see that sheep have a meek and submissive nature. We see sheep have a relatively defenseless nature. We also see this. We see that sheep are in constant need of care and supervision. Sheep are in constant need of care and supervision. We know that they have no defenses in this world and left on their own they would be destroyed. But Jesus said this about them in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, But when Jesus saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. What did He say? Sheep having no shepherd are what? They are scattered abroad. They have no strength. They are as those that faint. They, are, they have no defense. They are in constant need of care and supervision. Sheep on their own don't know which way to go. Sheep on their own cannot make it, cannot survive. They are in constant need of someone to lead them. They're in constant need of someone to care for them, to bind their wounds, to mend them, to drive away those that may come to harm, to harm them. Sheep are in constant need of care and supervision. But even with all this, I want you to understand something. We need to realize the sheep's value to the shepherd. The sheep's value to the shepherd. We look again in Luke chapter number 15, verses 4 and 5, and we see what Jesus said again about the sheep. He said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he hath found it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You see the value that's placed there? As I said before, Jesus compared the sheep, the loss of a sheep, to the loss of a woman who had ten silver pieces and lost one of those silver coins. He also compared it to a man who had two sons and lost one of them. Now we all understand the value of silver. But in a modern world today, many of us don't understand that coinage in Jesus' day had only been around for about 750 years. In the 8th century, um, precious metals such as silver, such as gold, such as even brass or bronze, copper, began to be minted into coinage. But before that time, the source of wealth, the, how you realize whether or not you had true wealth in your family or as a man, was found in the herds that you possessed. After all, when we study Abraham, they don't really talk about all the gold and silver that Abraham had. What do they talk about for Abraham's wealth? The herds he had. When we talk about um, Job, the wealthiest, wealthiest man of his day, what does the Bible say concerning his wealth? What did it consist in? The herds. That's where the wealth was. If we study the Bible, it says that the sheep were a source of wealth in ancient Israel. Number one, they were a source of food and clothing. They could get food from the sheep, of course, the wool of the sheep not only would put clothes on their back, but also it would even be material that they could even sew the tents that they may live in. It was a source of wealth. It was a source of food. It was a source of clothing. Sheep were um, looked at with so much value that it was the 
primary source of sacrifice when it came to Israel. It was the animal for sacrifice, the primary animal for sacrifice. They were a true treasure to the shepherd. All we have to do is look at the story of David. Do you remember the story of David? David, very interestingly enough, was not born a king. He was born into a shepherding family. In fact, when he's first mentioned in the Bible, Samuel goes to look at Jesse's sons, and Jesse brings out all of them, but who? David. He doesn't want to bring out David. David's the youngest. Not only that, David's the one that has the responsibility to what? Take care of the sheep. And taking care of the sheep is a dirty, stinking job. You've got Samuel, the great judge of Israel, the man who anointed the first king of Israel, coming to Jesse's house. Why, the man who in battle with the Philistines called down hail and lightning to defeat a Philistine army. Now that's incredible. That man comes to your house and he wants to look at your boys. The last boy you're going to show him is the one that's been spending time with the sheep for the last two weeks. He's not the one. David was born a shepherd. He grew up with a sheep. He learned how to fight with a sheep. You know, we always talk about David and his skill, how God defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone. And yes, it was with the help of God that David killed Goliath. But don't ever underestimate David's skill that he had already developed before he ever got to that position. And how did he get a skill? By protecting the sheep. David said this in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. He's talking to King Saul. Saul says, I don't know about that. David, you want to fight Goliath? Why, you've got to beat by five feet. He's five feet taller than you at least. You're short. You're young. Why, none of our armor will even fit on you. And you want to go out there and fight that man, the tallest man that ever lived? Big old man. Why, none of the people in Israel could carry the shield or pick up his weapons that Goliath brought to the battlefield. And little David wants to go fight. What did David say to try to convince Saul that he could fight Goliath? He said this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him, went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. What I see right here is David took the value of the sheep very seriously. What came after those sheep? One, a lion, and another, a bear. Now, pay attention to how David fought him. He did not stand at a far distance with a slingshot and start shooting rocks at the lion like he would later on with Goliath. That is not how he fought the lion and the bear. When he saw the lion and the bear, what had the lion and bear already done? They had already taken one of the sheep into their mouth. They're carrying it away. They're carrying it away to devour it. And David went after him, not with a slingshot, but he got into close quarter combat with a lion and a bear. How do I know it? Because the Bible says in this passage, notice what it said. David said, I caught him by his beard. Where's the beard? Blaine, where's the beard? Right there, right? 
He caught him by the beard and took the lion down. Now today, we look at hunters. I don't know too many hunters that go after a beard. I mean, go after a bear or go after a lion with a knife. Just one knife and say, here we go. Let's go at it. When we talk about big game hunting, what do you first think of with a big game hunter? Big game hunter, big rifle. I'm not going to be nearby. I'm going to be 100 yards off. I'm going to take a shot. I'm not going to aim small. I'm going to aim large, and I'm going to take down the animal. But I'm going to do it a long way away. And I'm going to let the animal die before I get over near it. Why? Because when it comes to a bear and when it comes to a lion, you don't want to get close to them. Yet David understood the value of a sheep. David could have told his dad, Hey dad, I lost one of your sheep today, but you're going to have to understand, a lion got it. Do you understand what I'm talking about dad? A lion got it. You don't want me to go after the lion, do you? Or he could have went to his dad another day and said, Dad, I lost another one of the sheep. You see, a bear came and got it. If my mama ever found out that I had gone and grabbed a bear by the beard, I'd be in deep trouble. If my mama ever found out that I went and grabbed a lion by the beard, I'd be in a lot of trouble. But David went and grabbed both of them by the beard. Not only did he grab both of them by the beard, but he took the lamb or the sheep out of their mouth and slew both the lion and the bear. Now that's courage. Now that's skill. But it also shows just how much value David had in the sheep. You know, it reminds me of another verse. I was going to read this later, but um, let me read it right now. Look at John chapter 10, verse number 11. I'm just thinking about this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You see, David even valued the sheep as much as his own life. After all, he goes and tangles with a lion. Is it guaranteed he's going to walk away from it? I don't care how much skill you know. I don't care how much karate you know. I don't care how much MMA you know or combat you know. If you go toe-to-toe with a lion, there's a good chance the lion may kill you. You go toe-to-toe with a bear, there's a very good chance you're not going to be the one that walks away. Yet David went after both. Why? Because he valued the sheep. He saw value in the sheep. And let me stop right here and make you understand. The Bible compares two different groups of people to sheep. Number one, he compares the lost to sheep. He compares the lost to sheep. And number two, he compares the church, the saved, to sheep. Understand this. Both have immense value to God. And both should have immense value to us. You remember the story that Nathan told David about the little lamb that lay in that poor man's bosom? He only had one sheep, one ewe lamb, and he lay in his bosom. He fed it of its own to meat. He, fed, he let it drink out of his own cup. He let it sleep with him and his daughters. He loved that sheep. God loves you just as much. You know, one day we're going to heaven. We're going to eat off the Lord's table. We're going to drink out of the Lord's cup. We're going to be able to lay in the Lord's bosom. And blessed to know, we're going to be able to sleep in the Lord's house. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The Lord puts great value in sheep. Not only does He put great value in the saved, but He puts great value in the lost. The Bible says, For God so loved the world 
that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't understand it, and I don't see how He can see such value, but the Lord said, the lost, one lost soul, is worth me sending My Son to die for them. Sheep are very valuable. The lost are very valuable. And the church is very valuable. It shouldn't just be to God, it should be to all of us. We've looked at the nature of the sheep. Now, let's look at the nature of Christ, the Good Shepherd. The nature of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Before we look into what the, uh, the nature of uh, the Good Shepherd is, I want to give you a little bit of the etymology of shepherd. The word shepherd. Some of you may already be able to figure out where we get the word shepherd from, but it comes from two words. It comes from Old English, and I'm not going to try to um, pronounce the Old English word because you always, whether you're right or wrong, you're going to sound stupid trying to pronounce Old English words. But it comes from two words. Sheep and herdsman. Sheep herdsman. Shortened down to a simple word called shepherd. Now we know what sheep are, but I thought it was very interesting when I was looking up the meaning of the word herd or a herdsman. One of the, ver- one of the definitions of herdsman spoke to my heart. The word herd can mean this. It can mean a keeping, care, or custody. I like that second statement, care. The herdsman cares for whatever animal is in his flock. And that's exactly what we see in Jesus Christ. I first see His caring nature. The Good Shepherd's caring nature. We see this in Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 11. Isaiah said, He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lamb with His arms and carry them in His bosom. Hey, there's that statement again. Did you hear that? In His bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. You see the caring nature of the Lord there? Understand this too. Notice it says, and He shall gently lead those that are with young. We must understand this about sheep. When it comes to the congregation of Whitfield Baptist Church, and our pastor does an excellent job, and notice I called him a pastor because the word pastor literally means shepherd. A pastor, when it comes to the flock of a congregation, cannot drive the sheep, rather sheep, must be led. The nature of sheep cannot be driven. If you start on the backside of a sheep, a group of sheep, a flock of sheep, and start to try to push them in one direction, you know what they're going to do? They're going to divide like the Red Sea. They're going to go this way. They're going to go that way. Why? Because they cannot be driven. They must be led. The shepherd cannot be driving the sheep from the back. He must be leading from the front. This is exactly... It shows the caring nature of our Savior. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He's going to make sure that there's sufficient grass for these sheep to eat. Not only that, He's going to gather the lambs, not with a rod. He's not going to go around and hit them and make sure they get in the right place. What does He do? He will gather the lamb with what? His arm. He will carry them where? Not even on His shoulders. There's a beautiful picture of the Lord carrying the sheep upon His shoulder. And I love that picture. But what does it say in Isaiah? He will carry him in his bosom. And I can't help but have this picture in my mind. If you're carrying something in your bosom, you're hugging it. Am I right? 
Mothers, do you understand that when it comes even to a baby? Now, my wife will do this with Coco. Sometimes Coco doesn't appreciate it. In fact, she was trying to do it with Coco before we left. You know, the baby. She was trying to do this with Coco this, um, right before we left, and Coco was not going to have any of it. As soon as she called Coco, Coco was going up to her. As soon as she said Coco, he knew what she wanted, and he stopped. He said, I don't feel like snuggling with you right now. <laughs> and for all his help, he would not go near her. She had to come to him once he had heard her his name. But my wife will pick up Coco, not even hold it where his feet are down, but will actually pick it up and hold it where he's laying on his back in his arms, almost like a baby. Holding it like that. That's how I picture Jesus carrying the lamb. It's in a hugging position. It's in a nurturing position. Jesus has a caring nature for the sheep. That's why we hear in John chapter number 10, verse number 14, He said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. You know, Angie loves Coco so much. And if Angie is in the house, Coco will be near Angie. Here's the thing. It always makes me and Brother Harold upset. If we're in the house and Angie is not in the house, do you know where Coco is? He's at the door, sitting there, waiting for her to come. There's been times when me and Miss Angie have been over at another church and we had to go out of town and spend the night in order to make it to a church that was very far away. And it would be on a Saturday night. We would be away. Brother Harold would go over to the door at 11 even 11.30 or 12, and still find Coco sitting at the door. What is he waiting for? Waiting for Angie to come home. Why? Because Coco belongs to Angie. Angie knows Coco. Coco can snort, he can bark, he can growl, and Angie knows exactly what he's wanting. He can even stand up and look in a strange direction. She knows exactly what he's wanting. And just like that, Coco knows Angie. What does that speak to? It speaks to a caring relationship. Coco loves Angie because Angie cares for Coco. And we love the Lord. Why? Because the Lord cares for us. We see the caring nature of the Good Shepherd. Again, I want to bring up Luke 15, 4 and 5 again. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Do you see how many times I'm going back to that statement? He's not satisfied with one being gone. Why? Because the Lord, the Good Shepherd, just doesn't simply care about the flock. I'm thankful to know the Lord, the Good Shepherd, cares about the sheep. He doesn't care about the flock, plural, Merely, He cares about the sheep individually, singularly. He cares about you. And it's a true statement, Brother Jim Cudd. If you, sir, were the only man who ever sinned, I truly believe Jesus Christ would have come to this world and died on the cross for you. Why? Because yes, God so loved the world. But it's also equally true for God so loved Jim Cudd. And for God so loved Wayne Cofield. And for God so loved Brother D4. And for God so loved Brother Thomas. And for God so loved Brother Staley. He loves you individually. And we need to be concerned, not just with the church as a whole, as followers of Jesus Christ, but we need to see the value in every 
single person in our church. Not only do I see the caring nature of the Good Shepherd, but also I see the protective nature of the Good Shepherd. I've already read these verses, but I'll read them one more time. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. David was the one in the book of Psalms who would write, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He was very suited to write such a psalm. He was very suited to write such a piece of poetry. Why? Because he had been a shepherd. He knew exactly what a shepherd does. We see in the Gospels a comparison between a man who is a true shepherd and then one who is an hireling. I was always afraid that a preacher one day might call me as being a preacher of the Gospel a hireling. Someone who doesn't care about the flock of God. Someone who cares only about himself. David is someone who Jesus Christ is compared to. After all, Jesus, isn't He called the Son of David? And we see what David would do to protect his flock. David is just a mere symbol of who Jesus truly is. If David would go to such lengths to take care of his flock, don't you think Jesus would go even further to take care of you? Do you think Jesus is afraid of the devil? Do you think Jesus is afraid of this world system? I promise you this, if it's necessary, Jesus will take the devil by his beard and smite him until it means you can be protected. I'll tell you this, Jesus will take this world by its beard, and by the way, He's going to do it one day. He's going to take this world by its beard for the sake of His children. He's going to put an end to it. Why? Because He is a protective shepherd. We see that He has a caring nature. We see that He has a protective nature. And then finally see, we see that He has a sacrificial nature. The Bible again says in John chapter 10, verse 11, let me say it again, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. We've got to learn to sacrifice for the sheep. In order to be an effective pastor, Brother Wayne had to sacrifice some things. I don't know what it's like, Brother Wayne, to have a family. I have my wife and I'm so thankful for her. I wish we were blessed to be able to have children. Maybe one day we'll be able to adopt, Brother Wayne. And that's my prayer one day, a desire of mine to be able to adopt a child. But I can only imagine what you had to sacrifice in your family for the sake of this church. I don't understand it. Forty, over forty years here. Brother Wayne, you've been a pastor longer than Dr. Lee Robertson was pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church. And uh, that's an incredible thought. God's blessed you being here. And you know, he had to sacrifice. He had to sacrifice not only things in his family, he had to sacrifice maybe some desires or things he may have wanted to do in his life. Why? Because he loved his church. You see, Brother Wayne is not a hireling. He's a pastor. He's a shepherd. And he understands that the good shepherd must lay down his life the sheep. Shouldn't we do the exact same thing? See, when it comes down to it, each and every one of us who knows Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are called by this name Christian. Now that was a pejorative back in the day when it was first used in the city of Antioch. It wasn't a good thing to be called a Christian. They were making fun of the followers of Jesus Christ when they would call them Christians. The word literally, literally means little Christ. 
What they were saying when the Christians came around, the people of Antioch were pointing out and saying, look at those little Christs just going around here. Making fun of them. Why? Because they acted like Christ. They talked like Christ. They walked like Christ. They loved like Christ. I think both, uh, both we in this church and every follower of Jesus Christ should model His picture as the Good Shepherd. And the question comes finally this, if you're writing down the, the notes. Are we our brother's keeper? Are we our brother's keeper? We know the story of the first shepherd in the Bible. I've already mentioned him. His name was Abel. You know, there's a lot of comparisons and contrasts between Abel and the Lord. Did you know that? Let me give you a few of these. Number one, both are known as shepherds. Both are known as shepherds. Both were never married. Both never had children. Abel was rejected by his brother Cain. Christ was rejected by his brethren Israel. Both died for no crime of their own. Abel sacrificed a lamb for his own sins. Christ was the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of all mankind. Abel's blood cried for justice, but Christ's blood cried for mercy. We see many comparisons and contrasts with Jesus Christ. You know, his brother Cain, the very one who slew Abel, only had a couple of statements recorded in the Bible, but one sticks in the mind of every Christian who's read the story of Genesis chapter 4. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? I believe we as Christians are all shepherds. Yes, Brother Wayne is the shepherd of this church. But I truly do believe that every one of us has the responsibility of being a shepherd. We are all shepherds and we are all our brother's keeper. John chapter number 21, verse 17, the good shepherd said this to Peter. Jesus said unto Peter the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And then, we don't really study Ezekiel very often, but I was really convicted by a passage in the book of Ezekiel. It shakes me a little bit, Brother Jim, when I really think of the ramifications of it. It scares me as a preacher and someone who desires to be in all aspects of my life a man of God. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 4. Listen to this. Really listen to this. I would even mark it in your Bible if you haven't before. Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 4. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Think about that for a minute. He said, where's my flock? What happened to it? It didn't eat. It didn't have protection. It's been scattered abroad. Why? Because there was no shepherd to search for my flock. 
My brothers and sisters, I have a question for you. Who are part of the flock of Whitfield Baptist Church that no longer sit among us? Where are they? Do we know? Do we know where they are? This is not the sole responsibility of Pastor Wayne Cofield. Question, have we reached out to them? Do we expect that they will just come back on their own? Sheep don't do that. When a sheep gets lost, a sheep gets lost. It doesn't show back up. And if we're expecting people who used to sit among us just to one day show back up at church, we're making a mistake. Jesus, I mean, God said this in Ezekiel chapter 34. He said, My flock became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, and neither did my shepherd search for my flock. Are we just expecting them to come back? If we think that, we do not understand the nature of the sheep. Jesus said, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. In my outline here, I underline the word there, Rejoicing. Have you thought about that last word, rejoicing in verse 5? Why was he rejoicing? Because that sheep was the desire of his heart. It should be the desire of our heart to see our backslidden brothers and sisters return to the fold. We should labor to make that desire a reality. We should be present at visitation. Concerning our lost family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers, we should be out leading them to a saving relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd. Why? Because we are called by the name Christian. We are little Christs. We should be reflecting Jesus Christ in His efforts, in His love, in His desires. And what does He desire? He desires His flock. He desires every person at Whitfield Baptist Church, every saved member of Whitfield Baptist Church, to be sitting in this congregation, not just so that the numbers show up real big for Whitfield Baptist Church, that's not the reason why, so that that person could have their soul healed, so that that person can have their sins forgiven, so that that person can experience the fellowship and the relationship of the church and not the travesty of a relationship with a lost and hell-bound world. We need to have the same heart for the Savior as the Savior has. And finally, we need to have the same heart of the Savior when it comes to the lost and dying. We should desire to see souls saved. Wasn't it good this morning to see that young lady accept Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. Brother Wayne said there were two other people in our congregation who raised their hand saying they did not know if they were truly saved. It should be our desire to see those people come to know Jesus Christ. We should not be satisfied until we find them. We should not be satisfied until they're brought back within the walls of this church knowing the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Have we been obedient to the call? I pray we have. Let us follow in the footsteps of the Good Shepherd and shepherd the sheep that God loves. Amen.